Hello and welcome to episode 47 of Cakewatch, the podcast that may be losing its voice but still hasn't lost its way. Uh, we are two EU geeks sat in Brussels. I am Chris Kendall, an EU official. Um, have been an EU official for donkey's years, um, but I'm doing this in a strictly personal capacity. And with me is my co-host... Steve Bullock. I'm an ex-negotiator for the UK in the EU. And uh, also here in a strictly personal capacity, as that's all I have, actually, is my own personal capacity. See, I'm very happy to note that you, Steve, still have your voice. Yeah, and it's still in the, 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 the usual octave of my voice as well, unlike yours, which has dropped at least a fifth and maybe an octave. <laughs> why, why do you have no voice today, Chris? Oh, there's a reason for that. Um, it's partly to do with the fact that I've had a flipping horrible cold for a couple of weeks, but mostly to do with the fact that I was... Um, yelling like a wrong one um, at the weekend on the march, as may be seen on BBC TV footage. Ooh. I know. Look at me. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, hark at him. Um, super big head now that I've finally made it um, to the big screen. Um, yeah. bit like you, Steve, who's always on it. Can't keep you off it. Not the the BBC I know Once I've been on the BBC once (laughs) And what what an evening that was With (laughs) non-stop tweets About the the wizard who's just suddenly Appeared on Newsnight (laughs) There was a a lot of hair and beard beard envy Among the Brussels press packs That was was very funny My favourite one was Who was it from? It was from um, (laughs) uh, It was from one one of your one of your friends, who's the... Chris or uh, James, or was it? No, it wasn't no. James. It was um... anyway. Somebody, t- somebody tweeted. They have an actual wookie on Newsnight, <laughs> <laughs> which I really enjoyed. I was like, <coughs> so, so yeah. Um, so, so Chris, are, are we uh, are we leaving the EU on Friday? There's, uh, my my face, dear listener, is wreathed in smiles as I say, <laughs> "No, we're not leaving the EU." The Day after the day after tomorrow, because I kind of I kind of had this down as in my mind as the second probably the second last podcast. The, I was the second last yeah. podcast. I mean, this time um, last week we were feeling so doomy. We were we were recording in Alan's office and the boxes were there, and I was feeling so. I was actually feeling really very emotional. Um, it was awful doing it with the boxes. It there. was, and it it really was, and it feels like it feels all different. It feels we don't have a date anymore. Not really. Well, we, I mean, we, no deal still a, a very real possibility, of course. It's just Indeed been, it is. It has been kicked, kicked down the road. But it's not happening next week. And at least Parliament appears to be, which we'll come to, Parliament appears to be attempting to take action to avert that as well, which is, a bit, which is the important thing. Well, I think of all the podcasts that we've done, um, this is the one where most has happened, even though we did the last one back on, when was it, Wednesday? We had it out on Thursday morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, we did two last week, but but really, it feels this one feels uh, it, it feels like so much has happened, and 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 not just in terms of stuff happening in Parliament because that happens all the time. 
what really feels different is the atmosphere, if I can say that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's exciting. But listen, we're, all, we're dotting all over the place. We should do some follow-up. We, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what happened over the week since that last podcast. We're going to talk about what happened in the council because that was pretty big news. We're going to talk about um, the petition, the march. We're going to talk about where the hell it's all going in Parliament. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what, what has to happen now for, um, for, for a no deal to be avoided. Yep. So we're going to do all that. But first, let's just uh, quickly put a follow-up. Um, happy birthday, Steve. Oh, thanks, Chris. Thank you. We seems yes, we had mine. Yeah. Um, yeah. How old are you? Um, I'm 42. Oh, you weren't supposed to tell us. Nobody, ever, nobody ever answers a question like that. Really? Oh, I don't care. So what did you um, do? Did you do anything special? We did, actually. We went to... Uh, we took the ice train, which is my two-and-a-half-year-old's favourite kind of train, uh, to Aachen. Uh, Say that again? We took the ice train. No, no. Which no. Is Say the name of the city again. Aachen. <laughs> or... Um, I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing at your German pronunciation. Okay, well, if you're going to... I came prepared for this. <laughs> if you're going to laugh at my German pronunciation, I'm going to call it a La Chapelle. <laughs> I you might do Which that. was the French name for it. <laughs> no, it's a great... It's a nice town. I like Aachen. No, it is... Re- oh, it's Aachen, is it? Aachen. Aachen. Oh, there you go. Okay. You can't do it. Yeah. No, but I speak... <laughs> Yes, I know, but I speak German with a with a with an English accent, the same way as I speak French with an English accent, the same way German and French people speak. You don't even speak English, English with, with an English accent. No, that is true. That is very true. No, it was lovely, and I was really str- not. I didn't spend my entire birthday thinking about uh, Brexit and freedom of movement and all of that. Thankfully, um, I spent most of it eating curry verse and looking at the unbelievable cathedral. Mm. Um, <clears throat> And it was, but it was interesting going from the sort of modern centre of Europe at Brussels to uh, to an ancient centre of of Europe, yeah. um, where it was. I mean, how many generations? I mean, for hundreds and hundreds of years, German kings were uh, were crowned there, and it was Charlemagne. Was it? It was Charlemagne. Yeah, it was the. It was the. Um, it was the. Ooh, <laughs> some of our listeners might. Come back to us now because my um, early medieval history is a little bit um, rusty. But yes, it was the capital of Charlemagne. It was Charlemagne's capital, and mm. um, and as such, um, was the centre of the Carolingian Empire, which um, covered a big sort of swathe of um, northern Europe, um, mm. and. It split ultimately into the various kingdoms of Northern Europe, France and um, Germany, and or various parts of Germany. Mm. Um, and I remember vaguely. I did do a medieval history A level. Would you believe it? Which did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it was I'll brilliant. Know more about it. Yeah, I know you would, wouldn't you? And I was, <laughs> yeah. But it's a beautiful cathedral. So the cathedral is one of the very oldest cathedrals in Europe. Um, yes, in, yeah, in ninth, northern ninth, Europe, ninth, ninth century, late ninth century. Yeah, yeah. And it's astonishing. It's very different architecturally to the more classic sort of Norman Gothic style um, cathedral. Um, yeah, and I, I posted some pics on yeah, Twitter of my favourite features of it. Yeah, and a lot of people came back and uh, noted the sort of Moorish 
that that it was quite similar to Moorish architecture in some ways. In some respects, which I thought was which I thought was very interesting actually, because it did remind me a little bit of um, the uh, stuff you see in uh, Andalusia as well. Yeah. Actually. Yeah, it did. yeah but, what, but what was really interesting is that we've gone for, you know, it's an hour and ten by train. Mm. And the ice train, the ICE train really is absolutely fantastic. That's beautiful, yeah. Um, and so it's an hour and ten minutes. And we were drinking Kirsch and we were eating currywurst. Yeah. And this, I mean, we went to an incredibly traditional German place for, uh, for lunch. Um, and everyone's speaking German. There's different shops. And, yeah. you know, and you're in a different, you're in, you're in a different culture. It's still very distinctly European, but it, but we're in a, you're in a different culture and it's an experience. It's a new experience, you know? Um, and yeah, just what struck me was that we just don't get this on an island, you know? I mean, you get, you get it a bit if you go from Newcastle to Edinburgh. Um, you definitely get it a bit, but not to the, you know, not to the same extent. And, and this is, you know, this is just the real joy of it. We literally just hopped on a train, went to our tr- local train station in Brussels, hopped on a train, and we're in, we're in a different world in an hour, and it was just really fantastic. I mean, it, re- it really summed up what I love about living in, yeah. living in, living where I live in Brussels. Yeah. Actually. No, absolutely. I, I once um, did uh, a recruitment video for the UK Civil Service. I, I, you can still find it, I think, on the Guardian Careers site somewhere. Um, but I did. Re- you did. You did a recruitment video. Yeah, they 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 had me on to do an interview for recruitment to the um, to the EU. Well, that explains the civil service recruitment, <laughs> recruitment crisis. Thanks, thanks, <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. No, but what was funny was that they um, they asked us to talk a bit about. Well, they asked me to talk a bit about what was great about living in Brussels, and mm. they said. Please don't say how easy it is to get to everywhere else. Because <laughs> it's the classic response of anybody when you ask them, what do you like about living in Brussels? Is, oh, it's just so easy to get to Germany or to Paris or to Amsterdam. Or <laughs> no, but I mean, I'm, I'm, as people know, I am a lover of Brussels. I mean, I, I, I think it's a wonderful, wonderful city. Um, it's more that the different mindset, you definitely feel as if you go down to Maastricht as well, you know, the, yeah. well, they call it the three points. It, it's the mindset that it's just not a, it's not a big deal mm. going somewhere where they speak a different language for lunch mm. or working somewhere where, where they speak a different language and the culture is really quite different and the food and beer is different and, and so on. You know, it's, um, it's just not a big deal for people in the way that, in the way that it is if you have to get on a boat or an aeroplane to do it. But we, li- we live in a city where um, you... you- you don't know what language they're going to speak in a shop when you go into it. I mean, we, yeah, so, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, it's something that you just get used to and it's just normal. And the idea, and I, I think, and I, I think people would, I think people would like it if they did, if they could experience that yeah, actually. Of course, of course. But I, but I also think, I think attitudes to neighbors would be different because they would genuinely, genuinely be considered neighbors. The, uh, the, the, his, the, 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 future history of which you have a part in and you yeah. have a stake in together, you know, um, in a way that the, in, in a way that, it, the, the, yeah, I, I think it, it's just very hard to understand that unless uh, living on, living on an island. I, th- I think that's it. Without I, land borders. I think, I think it, 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 
well, what we're doing is we're making the case for, for the UK being a bit special, but not in, especially not in a good way. <laughs> in, a bad but, way yeah. but in the way my memory it, it, it's, yeah. it's kind of true because, I mean, I was thinking the same thing today because I had to come, I had to come home early because I, the plumber came over because I had a plumbing issue and um, I, the, I, I didn't know what nationality the plumber was going to be. turns out he's Polish. So we had that kind of conversation that you often have in Belgium. It was like, well, oh, yeah. what, what language are we going to speak to each other? You know, it's like, how, how's your English? How, well, and not, not so great. What's your strongest language? Is it French or German? And well, my Polish is non-existent. So we, you end up speaking a bit of French and a bit of English. And yeah, everyone's speaking the second or third language. It just sort of, it yeah. just sort of works. But that is perfectly normal because that's what everybody exactly. does all it's the not, time. It's not unusual. It's not something to be scared of. It's not something to be Every time you go it. to the shops, you do yeah, that. There's yeah. a quick negotiation about which language are you going to use. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway. So, yeah. It's, for sh- it's, for sh- it's for shame. I think it's a wonderful thing and I think it's a shame that people don't. Yeah, uh, people don't experience it, and it's it's not the same as between England and Scotland, for example. You know, when you when you, Berwick's in England, um, and when you cross the border from 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 Berwick, people aren't speaking a different language. And uh, well, okay, maybe you know there are there are certain certainly big differences and big cultural differences, certainly big cultural differences, which I've talked about in the past. But uh, it, yeah, it's 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 really it's it's really different, and I really well, I was really uh, reminded of it and really enjoyed it anyway. So. And also, Aachen's a nice place. I like the people. Yeah, it's a lovely place. Yeah, let's yeah. Uh, let's not let's not forget that the the UK is a multilingual country. And Indeed, we have uh, parts of the UK that are bilingual and have their own language. But you know, <laughs> they're, they're none of those people. The, the, the pre- predominance um, of English is means that anywhere that you've got another language, the default is always going to be English. Yeah, and we see this as an advantage in lots of, in lots of ways. It is, but I think in other ways, no, culturally, it maybe hamstrings us. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So, um, yeah. Anyway, um, look, um, that was my that was my little bit of follow up. So, happy birthday! Thank you. Welcome to um, your um, waning years. Yes. Um, Onwards to the void. <coughs> ah. Um, so let's let's dive in. God, there's so much to talk about. Um, I can't wait to talk about the march, but we should first maybe talk about the um, council. Oh, do we have to? No, talk about the march first. Shall we? All right, then. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I couldn't go on it. My entire family was sick. Yeah. You know that you know that meme that gets shared a lot of um, Family Guy where everyone's being sick and then <laughs> people people... You know, one person <laughs> sees the other people being sick and then that makes them be sick. That's basically what my house was over the weekend, so... Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, well, we missed you. Um, your, your, your presence would have made all the difference um, <laughs> between. <laughs> I, well, I don't know what, to, I mean, what, what, what is there to say about it? I think what, what there is to say about it is just simply, well, firstly, I was super excited because um, two really lovely ladies came up and introduced themselves to me because they, they happened to see me in the crowd. And um, they somehow recognised me probably because I was wearing my stupid knitted hat. Um, and they were wearing excellent crocheted hats. And uh, I they knew said, there'd be a knitting story. It was brilliant. Story. And they said that they had um, uh, they had sort of seen what I was doing with my knitting and thought, oh, we could do that. So they, they'd done their own hats, which were brilliant. 
so these ladies, um, so Sharon and Bethan, um, I was so excited that they came up and said hello. It was really nice. You are so officially an, a, a, an, a knitting influencer. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm slightly <laughs> amazed at being spotted in a crowd of however many million, two million odd. Um, <laughs> so that was pretty cool. But then what was even cooler was, this is really funny. I thought this was funny, uh, was that I, I'd been spotted by these two ladies and we were having a little chat and we sort of took a selfie um, of ourselves and, and I tweeted it. Um, and then I looked again at the photo and I looked in the background wasn't, actual real life celebrity just sort of like nonchalantly walking along it was um it was this, but andy circus oh really yes it was really quite funny anyway so that was very cool um no it was, it was everyone everyone who went just said it was the most absolutely amazing atmosphere and also a different kind of atmosphere to previous ones well yes it was i mean i wasn't on the big one in october so i, I can't i can't speak for that but um I think it was more serious, if, if yeah. that makes any sense. I don't, it's hard mm-hmm. to tell. It's hard to sort of, it, you know, there's a lot of projection going on here, but I, it felt, of course, of course, it felt more serious. It felt, you know, there, there was a sort of atmosphere as we walked past Downing Street, for example. There's a sense of, you know, this is, we are not happy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there was, but a lot of people talked about that, that it was it was very much about yeah about that seriousness that it was that this was people with a purpose about avoiding a catastrophe avoiding a catastrophe about you know that it the it wasn't just you know yay for the thing I want that that people were very uh, so, very serious about about wanting to about needing to take action and 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 not let something terrible happen. So uh, yes. So, so a few things have happened. You know, one one is that, um, that that you feel that there's been a bit of a pivot away from a referendum and towards re- revoke, mm-hmm. and, and that has been brought on in, in large part by this uh, incredible viral uh, petition, which um, are now, according to um, one of the people who is involved in running and making sure that the petition site works, um, this is now the biggest online petition ever anyway. Yeah. So I hear it. it's incredible, isn't it? And yeah. it, 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 it just make it just, you feel that as, as, as she, 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 yeah, she, Theresa May will try to ignore it. She will. We know that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But course. she can't, or it cannot be ignored, nor can that March be ignored. And that's, I think the sense. So there's a sense that, there has been an absolutely fundamental shift in opinion. You, you feel, you really yeah. feel that people are um, not willing to go along with this anymore. And you, no. you know, you're getting people that you would never even have spoken to about Brexit because you don't know where they stand. Talking about it, talking about the the, the, the revocation um, yeah. uh, petition, uh, it, it feels different. I tell you something yeah, he, else. He, Ian Dunn Dunpo- pointed out today. You know that three. Three ministers have now said, yeah. you know, in extremists, we would have to revolt. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's, it's absolutely on the agenda so now. Yeah, so this, you see how Overton windows shift. Yes. You know, that, that yeah. this. And rapidly we've at the about, end. We've, we've talked about, yeah, we've, we've talked yeah. about an, an awful lot about the Overton window shifting. Yeah. And, you know, Ian's contention, which I think is right, was that, you know, without the petition in the march, 
that probably wouldn't have yes, happened. People exactly. wouldn't be talking about revoke. People That's would still right. say, no, no, revoke is an admission of failure, yeah. it's embarrassing, it's blah, blah, blah. You know the standard, yeah. the standard yeah. stuff. Yeah. Now people, are, people, as you say, who wouldn't have otherwise been, yeah. are looking at it going, what? We can just... We can, we've got to get out of we fucked this up. We've got yeah. to, and now we've got to get out of jail free card. Yeah. We should take yeah. that. There's nothing embarrassing about saying, "Okay, we're going to do the sensible thing now." We've been, yeah. we've, we've done, we've done stupid. Now we're going to do sensible. There's nothing embarrassing about that. No, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and I mean, internationally, people would breathe uh, yeah. a huge fire of They'd relief. Say, well it wouldn't done. be. Yeah, the only people who would put this down as you know a, a failure and embarrassment are people like people like Trump who've been egging it on. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of the the rest of the world's been looking at it, going, "What the fuck are you guys doing?" Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so there's that, but there's also, do you know what I think is a really big development? I I think it's the led by donkeys guys and and what yeah, they've done. I think it's made a huge change. I think that's too, amazing what they've done. Yeah, I think what they have done has 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 transformed things because what they're doing is they are holding these liars' feet to the fire publicly. They're doing what our journalists have signally failed to do the entire time. They're doing the job of the journalist establishment, of the BBC, of the Today programme, that they've never done. They're saying, you said this then, now you're saying that. We are confronting you with it. And you get these amazing images. Of course, they're, they're also following it up with... With, with reporting, with, 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 with video yeah. and so on. And then you've got these fantastic images of Farage looking shifty with a screen in the background saying... Putting, putting, the, screens in the, putting the screens on the, on the Leave Means oh, Leave March yeah. with a, a moment of absolute genius. I mean, these guys deserve just so much praise. I, I can't begin uh, yeah, to I really, overstate how, how amazing they've been. I really think so. And I got some jip from some commentators at the beginning for making the, you know, breaking the cardinal rule of not... Reamplifying the the, mm. the things stuck in people's mind. We've had this before about you know the use mm. of the bus and so on, um, and that is sort of that is, that that is uh, sort of standard standard theory in in these things. And their response was, "Look, no, hang on, we're not we're doing something different. Yeah. We're not doing that. We're doing something different here." And I think people are intelligent enough to realise that. But, um, you know, they didn't disagree. They didn't disagree that in general that's a bad yeah. idea. They said, you know, the, the, we get that, but this is some, this is something really different, and it, and it is. And I think because the central content, the, the best intellectual argument for um, for a vote on the deal has always been compare it to what you were promised. Okay, mm. you say you say you, you know people say people that people knew what they were voting for. Mm. Well, good. If this is what you were voting for, vote for it. If mm. If it wasn't, here's your chance to here's your chance to say not. Mm. And I think that's always been what I think that's always been the best intellectual argument for mm. for this, aside from all the other quest, the, the other you know the other very good arguments for it. Um, and I think the, the led by donkeys thing really puts that into mm. into perspective. And it's not someone to, and also it's not telling it's not somebody telling someone what to do. It's not telling them what to think. It's not telling them how to vote. It's saying these are your words. Mm. This is what. This is what you said. This is what people understandably, many people understandably believed when you said it. It's beautiful. And it's, it's, it a, is, gross, yeah, it's a grassroots movement that directly yeah. targets the liars and the cheats and the fraudsters. It doesn't attack or criticize um, people who voted leave. No. It says you guys were lied to. You know, yeah. you're, you're allowed to change your mind because you know what? You, you, you were lied to 
and it it really seems to have struck a nerve. So I mm. I'm, I have I really want to I really wanted just to say how uh, impressed I am by by these guys and how much yeah. I think we owe them for being where we are now. So yeah, yeah so there's absolutely. that. And I think you're right that the, I think you're really right that the Overton windows move substantially. Uh, to the point where a uh, referendum, referendum on the deal isn't a massively radical option. It's certainly not the, the most radical option. Um, well, this is this is where the this is where the march seemed to take place at a, at a at a moment of pivot because all of a sudden a referendum seems like the second best option, doesn't it? Yeah. Revoke yeah. seems like the way to go. And that's where I think the public interest is. And there was a very, very good uh, thread by Bex, our friend Bex. Yes. Bex yes. coach, isn't it? Bex yeah. did a super thread. Bex where, in 2D. I Bex think in 2D is, is a Twitter okay. handle. And she did a very good thread where she said, um, okay, polarization, yes, but also disin- dis- disillusionment and disinterest and boredom. And Think these things are not... Sorry? Sick of it all. Yeah, sick of it all. Sick of it all. And yeah. these things are not in any way uh, incompatible or mutually exclusive. In fact, yeah. they go hand in hand. And and what you're seeing is people really falling into two, two polarised camps. One is just leave and get it done with. Just no deal. Leave. Get it. Get out. Just do it. And the other is just, just tear it up. Just tear up Article 50 and stay. This is not work. This is, this is over. Yeah. And... That's where we are. That's where I think the vast majority of the public are. And that's why I and don't... Only one of them, and only one of them has catastrophic consequences. And, and only one of them is... Well, only one of them is actually drawing a line under it. Because, of yes, course, leaving right. with no deal in no way... Christ. Yeah. ...draws a line under anything. It, it, quite the contrary. No, no. It, it, it convicts us to, uh, to another few years of this oh, decade. On, on steroids. De- and no deal, it's a decade. I'll say a decade yeah. for no deal. Yeah, yeah definitely. I mean, so... Um, but but what it also puts a lie to is the whole notion that um, you're going to get some kind of up, massive uprising, some sort of civil war should revocation take place. Uh, you know, you're not. You know, look. The leave worst me, leave case, man, No, exactly. I mean, worst case, you could see that there could be some disgruntled, radicalized Tommy types who might. Um, engage in some highly questionable activity. And well, they're doing that now, and they're going to keep doing that. And yeah. they're going to keep doing that if we leave. Yeah. I've said this all along. You know, people, right. that, people, people like that are not going to go. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, good. We've got breakfast. I'll go home now and watch uh, fucking Homes Under the Hammer. Yeah. Um, instead, they're just simply not going to not yeah. going to do that. So, right. Yeah, the idea that 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 far right element is going away because Brexit happened exactly. is, is absolute bollocks. But, and, as, and as we've said all along, if you're going to, if you do go no deal to appease these guys, what you then risk uh, is, is, is a far more serious kind of social unrest when people lose their jobs and don't get paid and can't afford food and can't get yeah. a new role and stuff like that. So. Sorry, I'm a bit distracted. I've just got an email, which is, uh, so it's, it's uh, 10.28 on Tuesday night. Um, I've just got an email, which is the government's response to the petition. Oh, yeah. The revocation petition. Should nice. I read that? Yeah, yeah. The government will not revoke Article 50. We will honour the result of the 2016 referendum and work with Parliament to deliver a deal that ensures we leave the European Union. It remains the government's firm policy not to revoke Article 50. 
We'll honour the outcome of the 2016 referendum and work to deliver an exit which benefits everyone, whether they voted leave or remain. Revoting Article... Sorry, I have to pause. What absolute shite. Revoking Article 50 and thereby remaining in the EU would undermine both our democracy and the trust that millions of voters have placed in the government. You've fucking done that yourselves already, lads. The government acknowledges a considerable number of people who signed this petition. However, close to three quarters of the electorate took part in the 2016 referendum, trusting that the result would be respected. This government wrote to every household prior to the referendum. Well, it wasn't this government, actually. It was a different government. That's not true. Promising that the outcome of the referendum will be implemented. <coughs> ah, here we go. Yes, constitution through pamphlet, as David Allen Green called it. Mm-hmm. The 17.4 million people then voted to leave the EU, providing the biggest democratic mandate for any course of action ever directed at the UK government. British people cast their votes once again in the 27th general election, where over 80% of those who voted voted oh, for no. parties, including the opposition. No! who committed to their, in oh, their manifesto and the the referendum. You know what, as well, I will, I, I will never forgive the Labour Party for allowing <sighs> that line to have any credence. Um, this government stands by its commitment. Revoting Article 50 would break the promises made by government and the British people, disrespect the clear instructions for a democratic vote, vote and from a democratic vote, and in turn reduce confidence in our democracy. <laughs> How can, how can they talk about reducing confidence in democracy? As the Prime Minister said, failing to deliver Brexit would cause potentially irreparable damage to public trust. And it's imperative that people can trust the government to respect their votes and deliver the best outcome from them. Really, I mean, on that... It's, it's, fucking it's, it's, hell, we could do the whole podcast on this. We're not going to. Yes. Potentially no, irreparable really damage to this. public trust. Potentially irreparable damage to public trust. That is what the government has done with every already. decision it's made in the it last It has already years. happened. Yeah. The only wakey, way they can possibly guys. begin to repair this is by revoking Article 50 and paying attention to what people are saying right now. Mm. Uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not remotely surprised by any of that. Uh, it's exactly what you'd expect, expect to hear. And the, the, the answer here is that you need... Everything pivots on Theresa May. You need to get rid of Theresa May. She is the stumbling block in all of But she'd this. just be replaced by somebody worse. You know that. She'd be replaced by Gove. But if she were replaced by somebody worse, then what you'd, what you'd see is a, a, a rock throw, thrown into the pool. You'd see a bunch of people leaving the Conservative Party. The entire mathematics and dynamics of the situation would change. Mm-hmm. Something needs to happen. And, and what it is, is Theresa, Theresa May leaving. Even if it means that she's replaced by some, somebody even worse, it would still be better for us, I think. What, I really do. What, because What you really see from this as well is, now where is it? Um, deliver a deal that ensures we leave the European Union. That is all they care about. That is absolutely it. It doesn't matter the cost. It doesn't matter how many people are hurt. It doesn't matter pe- people harmed, losing their livelihoods, potentially losing their lives. All that matters is leave the EU. This is pathological on the, basis, on, on the part of the Prime Minister. I mean, this, it's, is, it's this pathological. is absolutely pathological. It's monomaniacal. Um, it is monomaniacal, it's, it's, and it is absolutely out of control. I mean, that's what that's what has to happen this week. Is that it has to it has to be taken out of their hands because this is a this has become a sort of suicide cult. This is ridiculous. Yes, that's exactly what it is. So you know, um, you get you you you've seen a, a population that has begun to shift dramatically now. Yeah. I mean, it's been shifting for a while, but now it's, it's, it's snowballing. You, you get the sense that it's snowballing. Would, are we projecting? Maybe we are. Let's find out by having a vote, you know? Well, there's not even an attempt about the will no of the people. There is no doubt that things have changed. Yeah, there's not even an attempt about the will of the people anymore. It's 
honouring the result of the 2016 referendum. That's all, that's all it is. That's the only yeah. reason we yeah. have left is that there was a, refer- yeah. a referendum in 2016 with a plus or minus 2.2% margin. But that, that's, uh, ma- that's majority, why we're in this, you know. That's why we're in this profound constitutional crisis because you've got an executive that is in a minority that cannot control parliament and now draws its entire mandate not from its election result, but from a, a referendum that happened, an advisory referendum that happened well, under a previous government yeah. years well, it ago. Can't draw it, it can't draw it from an election because it didn't win an election. It didn't get a majority but that's in the, the point. election. The point so, is yeah. that all the norms are gone. All the yeah. norms are gone. Normally, she would have looked at her failure to deliver the central plank of a, gov- of, of, of a platform and she would have resigned or she would have said, let's have an election or she would have said something. But no, because everything is drawn from this spurious mandate that she pulls out of thin air based on the 2016 referendum result, yeah. which, as we know, was marginal, was based on uh, a, a gerrymandered criminal, electorate. Criminal campaign. electorate a criminal campaign. Was criminal and yep. was in any case uh, highly uh, suspect and fraudulent and based on a question that was in utterly simplistic. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, this is, uh, and, I mean for, for, this to be the respo- for this to be the response to five and a half million people is nearly six now, I think, is fucking disgraceful. What this says is, we, what this <laughs> says is, what this says, which is what they've said all along, is you asked for this and you're going to get it good and hard whether you want it or not. Yeah. That's what they're saying. So, so where are we? So, 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 the, okay. So, look, let's let's what, skip quickly over. We're already so far along um, since the council that we can skip over it quickly. But I mean, I just want to talk. Let's just very explain what the, the council. explain what the council said. Yeah, yeah, the council. So the result of the council. What was what was really interesting when we talked last week about um, Salzburg two point where um, Theresa May. Uh, managed to piss everybody off in the room before even entering the room by her, by her letter. Um, so apparently she spoke for 90 minutes, and at the end of the 90 minutes, um, leaders turned around and said, OK, you are worse than useless. You're completely You're untrustworthy. Nice. We can't deal with you. Leave the room and we'll sort out what's going to happen without you. I mean, effectively. Mm. Um, and that's what they did. So what they did was they said... Um, and as you predicted, her, her, her interventions made things worse because they asked her questions yeah. that she didn't have answers to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. by all, report, yeah. all reports, her interventions made it worse, not better. Yeah, she made things worse. And as you worse. said, exactly. she'd, already, she'd already started the Salzburg process by sending a letter. Yes. That, yes. Ha, yeah, having, having been told not to ask for that length of extension, uh, she asked yeah. for that length of extension. Yeah. Um, and with with essentially no justification other than assurances that she, you know, she'd crack on and do what she's been doing, which has failed. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, th- this was utterly, utterly appalling way to <laughs> go about it. So uh, I think what, what, you, what you need to, I think the way of understanding the council is, I think, look, look at it um, in, in two or three ways. What, one is that um, they, they, they had seen that they had seen that the UK government was effectively non-existent, was 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 incompetent to the point where it was no longer really um, in control of anything. Yeah, and therefore um, there is a certain responsibility on the UK's partners uh, and neighbours and friends to 
it's an intervention. It you an need intervention. To, That's what I was going to say. It was an intervention look, by friends to, to save us from ourselves. Eh? Yeah. You need to look after um, these friends of yours while they go through this spasm. And so that, you know, once you're through the other side, you're still there and you can sort of... Okay, so there's that. There's also, obviously, the uh, important element of self-interest, which is that yeah. you know, they don't want a no-deal. And, no, if, 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 if and if if a deal has to happen, then they're ready for it, but they still don't want it. So well, what can we do to, to help you avoid it? They don't want no deal and want to avoid no deal, but no deal is not the worst-case scenario. A deal which harmed the long, long-term interests of the EU would be a worst-case scenario, and that's exactly what we've seen in this process, that they said they wouldn't reopen the withdrawal agreement, they haven't with, reopened the withdrawal agreement. Yeah. Um, and now they acted to avoid yeah. uh, a self-inflicted no deal. Absolutely. Yeah, so um, there's a third element to the council's decision, uh, and, and in a way this is the cleverest bit of all. Um, what you saw here was some really clever drafting, some really clever strategic thinking by some real politicians, and it sort of really outclassed the – I mean, it, it constant, consistently outclasses the UK. But what, what, what the, the third key thing to, to, to understand from what the council did was it very deftly – created a scenario which made it impossible for the UK to blame the EU for no deal. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because what the EU did was leave this leave leave it entirely open to the UK to find a way out of this. It it, uh, it, it yeah. It said you don't you know, I mean in fact indeed a number of uh, Brexit newspapers immediately said, "Oh look, the EU's blinked." <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's how clever they were. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. so. Um, no, and remember that. I mean, a, a huge part of the government strategy has been to ensure that the EU gets blamed if this yeah, happens. Yeah, and they saw that, and of course they see yeah, that yeah, coming. Absolutely. So that's that's why they they did this. So it was what's, a, clever, what's clever about it is it's not just about them avoid them avoiding blame. It's that making it so that they can't be blamed for it also changes what the potential outcomes are. Mm. That's what's so clever about it. It's not about... The EU doesn't really care if it's blamed by the British press for no deal mm. or not. Mm. It couldn't give a shit. It's got, frankly, much more important things to think about. Yeah. The point was that um, the, the neutralising the blame myth uh, put the government in a position where its strategy of pressing on regardless and blaming the EU can no longer work. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. So... Um, so the wait, picture, wait. The, the the picture was the the picture was the huddle of them doing this, eh? Yes. Of the officials outside in the corridor. Terrific, we're on Sabina. Yeah, yeah. So what's really um, so what 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 what's happened now is that you've um, you've effectively seen the leaders of the European Union, the European Union's member states, the the, the UK's closest partners, effectively invite. <laughs> the British Parliament and the British political class to get rid of or to, 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 to buy, to bypass the problem. The government. And the problem Which is, is, the is Theresa May. Yeah. Well, it's, it, yes, yes, it's Theresa May. Yeah. It's Theresa May specifically because she's just sort of, in, she, she's um, utterly uh, in the pocket of the hardliners. And yet, she won't, she won't. She won't give the hardliners 
what they want, but she won't stand up to them either. You're in this bizarre yeah. kind of limbo. Which we thought this weird checkers meeting that we got yeah, the world. It's so yeah, weird. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, what inviting you invite? Look at the people that she invited to checkers. All the nutters. All the nutters, including the ones except that aren't except, in government. Except Steve Barclay, who turned up anyway. Which is it's Not Steve so Barclay, sorry. Um, not Steve Barclay, I don't mean Steve. Steve Baker, yeah. Steve Baker. Did, who did turned, he turn up anyway? Yeah, he turned up anyway, even though he wasn't invited. <laughs> But, you know, and <laughs> what a prick. it's so, it's so, it's so odd. And, and she's such a strange person. And the more that we see her, the more we get to know her, the less we understand her, the stranger she seems. So well, really, I don't think, well, I don't think she, on that, I don't think she has hidden depth. I think, I, I think people keep ascribing, you know, hidden, hidden depth and secret plans no. and all this to her. I don't think she has any at all. I mean, I think, I think she's uh, entirely one dimensional. So what, so what so what we're left with so what we were left with was this two stage thing that we have an extension <laughs> until uh, which has been firstly the extension's been agreed so any idea that if Parliament doesn't pass the statutory instrument or to change the date or whatever by Friday that we're still leaving is not true we're not leaving on Friday uh, the UK the UK government has agreed with the extension Tim there's a letter from Tim Barrow to the council confirming that. Um, the treaties do not cease to apply on Friday, whether or not UK law says that they, they, they do. So people, I still see people, Remainers on Twitter saying, shit, but it could still go wrong on Friday. It, it could go wrong in that we'd be left in a massive legal mess, but we wouldn't have left the EU. Well, what, um, what, what needs to happen by Friday, if I've understood the council conclusions correctly, and I might not have done so, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but what, what, seems, what does need to happen by Friday is the withdrawal agreement needs to have been approved by Parliament by Friday. Yeah. In well, order to have, in order to get the May 22nd... Um, exactly. So there's a two-stage extension. If Parliament approves the withdrawal agreement by Friday, there'll be an extension to implement it and put all the ducks in the row uh, till the 22nd of May. Is it 22nd? I think so. Yeah, 22nd I think of May. so, yeah. Um, if it doesn't, then the UK has an extension until... Uh, 12th of April. 12th of April. And um, by which time, if it wants a further extension, it has to come with a uh, a plan for how that would uh, work. Yeah. Um, so what, <coughs> as far as I could tell, the idea of trying to get the withdrawal agreement through has now been abandoned. Although um, ERGs seem to be dropping like flies and saying, oh, okay, well, in that case, we'll accept it. No, the last I read was that it might still be on for Friday. It might still be on for Friday, really. Mm. Jesus. Um but it looks it looks at the moment unlike unlikely that that's going to be that that's going to happen. So it looks like we're in the situation of having an extension until the eleventh of May. Eleventh? I'm terrible with dates. Sorry, it is the eleventh. So the the, the the extension, if the withdrawal agreement is passed, uh, is to the twenty. Yeah. So eleventh, twelfth of April is when is is the new twenty ninth of March. Sorry, twelfth of April. Twelfth of April. So that that to me looks like the important date because mm. that's when no, that's when no deal happens mm. if. The, if the EU refuses a, a longer extension, or if the e, if the UK doesn't come with a long with a plan for a longer extension and an acceptance that it'll run EU elections, mm-hmm. European Parliament yeah. elections, that's that's the condition that's on the that. Cure. That's that's the stated conditions yeah. on that. And now you've got even the DUP saying, "Well, we'd rather have an extension for a year." Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, you've got yeah, some absolutely. very things are happening. Things are shifting very quickly now. I mean, you really do get the sense. The only thing that's not shifting, of course, is dear old Theresa May. No, no, of course not. But no. everybody else seems to be rapidly revising their views on everything. I mean, even we've even got now um, Jacob Rees Mogg of all people saying that he'd rather have May's agreement than 
um, the no, I mean, the no deal. Yeah, well, I mean, I've long suspected this, but well, it's because he's seen the pendulum swing against no deal in Parliament. He's seen that Parliament doesn't support no deal. He's seen that there's support for amendments. You know, I mean, look how close the Margaret Becker amendment got yesterday, no, no Brexit, which would, sorry. Sorry, but, on, yeah. uh, which which would have been yeah. uh, compelling the government to avoid no deal. And there'll be another amendment. I think there'll be another uh, amendment to that. Well, there'll be another proposal to that uh, to that end tomorrow with the indicative votes. Um, he's seen the pendulum swing against it. He sees the parliament doesn't want no, doesn't want no deal. It, okay, maybe it's not at the place yet where par- parliamentarians generally are openly saying, we will, revo- we will want you to revoke Article 50 if we're heading towards no deal. But, we, but I think we're getting close. I think we're getting yeah. closer to that point. Yeah. Um, and of course, this is their only chance. So the ERG is happy to... I've, Several people, including Alan Smith, actually, who was on last week, have said all along that the ERG will crumble and then agree to anything to get it over the line and then spend the next years fucking it all up and making as much of a pig's fucking breakfast out of it as, as possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's always been a possibility in there. That's always been, you know, a weapon, a weapon in their arsenal. And I think that's what they're coming out and saying now. That's what Rhys Mogg's basically saying. I mean, he's saying he's, he'll vote for something that he said is, um, you know, a pathetic capitulation and so on. Because obviously you think it'll, it'll fuck it up later. But you're also seeing a number of uh, Brexiters, both of the extremist variety and of the less extreme variety, um, all of a sudden saying, well, we've, we've lost. Brexit's, yeah. Brexit's gone. We've lost slipping it. Away. It's slipping away, It's slipping guys. away. Yeah. Yeah, you, you're getting the, the, the liberal leavers... Um, now saying we should revoke because this is this is not what we want. This, this is what we not what we yeah. wanted. We should revoke. You're getting the less liberal leaver saying, "Well, we've lost. We've blown it. It's gone." So the only, yeah. the only one who seems to still think that this is going to happen is, is <laughs> Theresa May, who was yeah, of absolutely. course originally a Remainer because she's got this absolutely she was you should say that. she was never actually a Remainer. Um, she may have voted Remain in the election. Well. <laughs> she, she, <coughs> Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, I mean, there's a there's a there's a seismic change. So, um, yeah, it really is. Yeah, but the danger is still there. Yes, the, of of no deal on the twelfth of twelfth of April. Yes, and this is re- this is really really important to remember. And this is what Parliament has to uh, has to get get stuck into. So tomorrow. let's talk so, about this. Yeah. So tomorrow there'll be uh, so right. God, got to put my British politics hat back on now. <laughs> so. Parliament on Monday took control of the agenda. Finally. The parliamentary agenda for Wednesday. There's little note about this. So, so uh, parliamentary standing orders, which are the rules that govern Parliament, are par- belong to Parliament. John Burkow's made this point a couple of times. They belong to Parliament. Parliament can rewrite them, suspend them. Mm-hmm. It can do whatever it wants with them. Parliament is a self-ruling. Parliament is sovereign. And its own rules are up to, are up to Parliament. Um, so what Parliament did is it suspended the rule for one day, for one day that says that the government controls what business will be will will be proposed to the House, um, and uh, there will now be a series of indicative what they're calling indic- indicative votes, which is a mechanism to try and eke out where there might be majority or where the, what option there would be the most support for. Um, so be it uh, a close single market relationship in a customs union, EA plus customs union, common market two, 
Canada, whatever. Um, and they'll all for be, uh, they'll all for be a vote on the uh, uh, other things. It's likely to be a vote on the people's vote. And there'll be the, the Cal Wilson mm. am- amendment, uh, which was just, was just tabled before we started recording, actually. Um, which would require, which, yeah, which we can talk about if we want to, but which, which would require <coughs> a, conf- a conf- confirmatory referendum on anything that, anything mm. that was agreed. Um, yeah, for the, for the idea is to try and find a, a, a plan, a way forward. The, 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 the two issues with this are firstly that, uh, May would not commit to respecting or pursuing the results of the results of of these indicative votes. Yeah, and um, that's if we manage to find a majority among among, among them as well. Which I mean is a different question. Um, so that's the first one. The second one is that still it's still all subject to the EU's agreement as well. So um, okay. So so my my problem with all of this is your first problem there, which is that. Mm. Um, I don't really. I can't get very excited about any of this, as long as the executive has absolutely no obligation to follow what Parliament says. But I agree. This has always been a. This has always been a worry with any of these kind of approaches. The same with amendments to the meaningful vote and so on. I mean, you remember there was a lot of discussion about whether amendments to the meaningful vote were legally binding, which they uh, weren't necessarily. Um, the. Uh, the point here is that Parliament has shown that it can and will take back control of the legislative agenda, and what this means is that Parliament can then bring can then bring binding legislation itself and get the time to implement that if if the government looks like it isn't going to do it. And in fact, Parliament, if and I think it should do this, is whatever option it does come up with, it should it should do exactly that. It should take control of the legislative agenda again. Uh, uh, parliamentary time again, sorry, and it should, and there should be legislation put in place requiring the government <laughs> to enact this. And at that point, that that objection falls away because the government must follow legislation. Um, okay. Uh, do you think that's likely to happen? I think no. I think that's more likely to happen than I think. I think that I think that is is potentially likely to happen. I think people have realised, MPs have realised that a promise from Theresa May means absolutely mm-hmm. fuck all. And, and then they've heard and the council they have to last take week. Control. I, think, I think that that was what they, yeah, yeah, and that and that it, and that it will it will probably have to be they'll have to find a way to make it binding. But there are ways for them to do that. Yeah. And the fact that they got control of legislative control of parliamentary time with such a majority, it wasn't by a couple of votes. Yeah, um, shows that they can shows that they can do it again as well. Yeah. and it, I think it would be unlikely the parliament wouldn't do it again having found something that it has a majority for, because presumably the majority in favour of that, <coughs> excuse me, yeah. would vote for that to become binding. Yeah. So, um, <coughs> the other point which needs to be borne in mind is that the EU still needs to, still, still needs to agree to this, and they need to agree to it twice, because they need to agree to the proposal as a basis for moving forward and for an extension. Mm. And then they'd need to actually agree to it in negotiations. And remember that we have a terrible government negotiating it. So, yeah. um, so this doesn't actually, you know, this doesn't necessarily get us get us off get us off the hook. It depends what comes out mm. as to whether it gets gets ourselves off the hook. I mean, for example, if what came out was there should be a close relationship to the single market with frictionless trade mm. and no 
but no freedom of movement. Mm. And there should be a customs union in which the UK has a say over EU uh, EU trade trade agreements. Mm. The EU says, "Fuck off! We're not. We're never going to negotiate any of yeah. that. If you're if you're going to drop the stupid the stupid bits of that, we'll yeah. talk about it. Yeah. But we're never going to negotiate that. So we're not out of the you know. So we're not out of the woods yet. It 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 doesn't just depend on Parliament taking back control. It depends on Parliament actually coming up with a viable way out of this and forcing the government to forcing the government to do it. Mm. Um, and I think you know now's now's the time for absolute clarity from Parliament on this as mm. well." Not for mealy mouth stuff. Not for, um, you know, trying to eke out mealy mouth, mouth compromises. Yeah. It has to be. It has to be absolutely clear. I saw the Carl Wilson amendment just before we started recording. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, much of I actually like these two MPs and think that the the MPs themselves who are proposing it are extremely sincere. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm, it, it worried me greatly because it's full. Of, it's full of holes. I mean, it says that the uh, that. Any deal agreed by Parliament can only be considered to be agreed uh, should it be ratified by a referendum. Now, to me, the, the the danger of this is that what this leads, what this potentially leads to, is a referendum saying, "Do you ratify the withdrawal agreement? Yes or no?" Which would then leave us still in the in in the position of potentially having no deal. Um, if the answer was no, and you have a government in Parliament that won't revoke Article 50 as a result of that, then you'd have the cliff edge of the end of an extension heading towards you. No possible way to extend it. Um, and we'd be in basically the same position as we are now, but, you know, with even with even less of, less of a plan. Um, now, I know why they've done this. They've done it as a way to get, you know, to try and get support for it and, 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 and so on. You know, that if they said we should have a people's vote, then lots of people wouldn't, you know, lots of MPs wouldn't vote for it on that basis. They've tried to make it as neutral as possible. I completely appreciate the politics of that. The, 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 the point is how EU27 will see it. And EU27 will be looking at that going, look, we're looking for a plan that takes no deal off the table and gives us either a transition as is in the withdrawal, an orderly transition as is in the withdrawal agreement. Or a, revoca- or a revocation, but not, or or even a ch- changes to the political declaration, and one of those things, but not. But what we're not looking for is another nine months of uncertainty about no deal, mm. um, and kicking the, kicking this can further da- further down the road. So I think there's a, you know there's a this isn't just about my preferences that any referendum has to be ratified versus remain. It's also about whether it'll be agreed to by the EU or not, because if not, we have no deal on the. On the twelfth of twelfth of April, yeah. So, um, so that's my that's my yeah. big worry with this sort of thing. My, I mean, my preferred option would be that you take each of the options um, that are going to be vote that are going to be indicatively voted on, and you vote on them with and without a, a ratify versus remain referendum. Yeah. And the benefit of this is that it's more likely to find a more likely to find a majority. People who are in favour of an option. But on favour in favour of a, a referendum on May's deal, for example, can vote for their option. Uh, can can vote can can vote for their option. People who will, won't vote for an option unless it requires a, a referendum could vote could vote for the option if it requires a referendum as well. And it's more likely to find a uh, more likely to find a majority. Any one is more likely to find a majority in those circumstances. I would have thought. But I don't. I suspect that isn't what's going to happen. Yeah, that, that's not what's going to happen, is it? So, and people's vote, of course, want to keep the a standalone people's vote off the 
yeah. off the list of options. Um, yeah. <laughs> but my worry there, and I entirely understand why, my worry there is that if an option does get a majority, that option will just be pursued. <laughs> There's no need to then tack a referendum onto it. Yeah. If Parliament said yes to an option, it said yes to an option. Tacking a referendum on is like trying to change the conditions of the sale price once the, once the deeds have been exchanged, you know? So there's a big danger there, and I think really we haven't seen all, what the questions will be yet, and the Speaker will choose them, but I really, really hope that, I mean, I think there's still time, and I really very much hope that people, or at least the people pushing certain options, the more reasonable options, do actually do, actually do that, because uh, otherwise um, I think we could be let, either be left with a, uh, an option and no ref- being taken and no referendum, or we could be left with no majority for anything and still floundering, floundering around. So. Yeah. so we'll see. I mean, we have to see what happens tomorrow. Well, indeed, by the time that most people are listening to this, I suspect they're already going to know. Exactly. But tomorrow may well, in, may well be one of the most crucial days um, yeah. in the entire three years. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, we're, I mean, with putting, putting the power back to Parliament also gives massive responsibility to Parliament and that has to come up with something realistic. Yeah. It can't just come up with something. It has to come up with something realistic. And it has to come up with something which, you know, the the E27 don't, in principle, see a long extension, a nine-month extension, for example, as being in their interests. Mm-hmm. If they did, they would have simply suggested that in the council conclusions. Yeah. Um, in principle, is something they don't want. So any option that's chosen has to be an option uh, which, uh, which 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 makes it which does make it in their interest to, yeah. to agree to that. And I think the only way to do that is to have an option which takes no deal, which take, genuinely takes no deal away. Now there is the possibility that there'll be a standalone amendment, which I think has been had Joe Joe Morm circulated. I think actually um, <clears throat> that if we came within a week of a no deal then Parliament would have a vote on revoking versus no deal. Um, and I think that amendment absolutely has to pass. And maybe, and actually, maybe that, maybe that would solve some of the concer- concerns I have with the Kyle Wilson amendment as well, actually, if they're passed in conjunction. But the danger of passing, <laughs> passing, one, passing them without that, I think, is absolutely huge because you're still dependent on a government that wants to avoid no deal, and we don't have one of those, and we're not likely to have one either. So. I thought I saw... That put forward by somebody already. Yes, it has been. Yeah, yes, it has been. But but by somebody that made me think, oh, that's not super likely to mm. pass. I don't know. Who. But, uh, uh, we'll see. Mm. So that's where we are. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, I mean, we're kind of stuck uh, podcast wise. We're stuck in the middle of a process again, aren't we? Yeah. No, we should we should we should just say that. Um, you know, we're not a news podcast. That's not what we no. do. There are plenty of others that do that do news. Um, we did do two last week, partly because I don't know if anybody even bothered to listen to the first one we did last week. <laughs> and also because Alan, Alan didn't become free until later. So. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're probably not going to do another one now until after Brexit Day. <laughs> When we will be still in the EU. You know, even if this works out badly, the fact that UKIP's... So UKIP have apparently booked yeah. out all every every bar and r- meeting room and everything in oh, no. Strasbourg. 
It's Which is where the European Parliament is currently sitting <laughs> for a massive party this uh, this Friday, and we'll still be in the EU. So. I know, and they got in, didn't they? Did they not get into huge trouble for uh, plundering official funds to bring over? Yes, yes a bunch of party yeah. hacks. Well, they attempted to, yeah, absolutely. Mm. No, it's, it's wonderful. So it spoiled that. So I mean, it's also been spoiled the fifty p piece, hasn't it? Was that going to be released on Friday? But I think it had the date on it. Ah. No, <laughs> really? I'm sure, I, I'm sure I read it. Have they minted any of them yet? Almost certainly. Oh, brilliant! That's brilliant. How how Britain at this point is that? That's it. We're doing a new coin. Freedom. <laughs> We're doing a new coin. Oh shit! Plus, it hasn't worked. <laughs> plus, isn't Grayling going to be fined? Another two thirds of a Grayling <laughs> for. <laughs> Getting the wrong unit unit of currency of government cost of government fuck up. It's brilliant. (laughs) It's brilliant. It's like (coughs) remember when the salary of the prime minister became the sort of unit of measurement for salaries. You know, that's brilliant. Uh, So there's good things already, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) there's the potential to find a way through this, but there's still gaping, gaping dangers, which I hope Parliament can uh, can deal with. But it's heartening that they've taken the first. It's heartening that they've taken the first step, and they took the first step very decisively, not by not with a couple of votes in it. They took the first step very decisively. Well, eventually, they took it. But yes, no. It, eventually, it, but we're, we're in. Uh, we are in. In. in it, we're just simply in new territory now, and it's very. I mean, I don't know. I. I, I feel. I feel very much an observer. Um, I, I don't feel so plugged into the Westminster side of things, and I feel like I think many people in the EU feel, which is, you know. What the hell is going on? This is all extremely interesting. Past the popcorn, um, where are we going to end up? But there really, you know, there really was a sense last week. That the European Council said, you know, enough, enough, enough is enough. Yeah, we're not doing this. There you go. Yeah. yeah, this is this is how you're going to do it. Take it or leave it. Boom. Um, and now it looks as if Parliament's taking it. Um, well, we'll see. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think the big the it big might question be total is, mayhem tomorrow. <laughs> We'll see. Yeah, well, I think the big question for me, the big question is what happens to the prime minister. How can she be neutralised? And yeah. um, it may be that she can be neutralised while still in office. It may be that she'll have to be removed from office somehow. How that can happen, I don't know. What? But yeah, she does effectively. Yeah. So, but she needs to be neutralised. She needs to be neutralised so, as the key player in this. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because as long as she's there, we're not going to get anywhere. But, you know, it looks as if people are realising that and the stuff is happening. So it's it's very interesting. And I I, um, I don't know. I, it just was a huge weight off to know that Brexit wasn't going to happen on Friday. A massive, 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 massive weight off my mind. Yeah, and I, I, mean, I hadn't, been, hadn't been looking forward to this birthday at all. I no. Say. I hadn't really oh, organised anything to oh. do anything. Because, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to be pretty grim. And, <laughs> um, yeah. And I wouldn't say I'm still, I wouldn't say I'm massively over the moon. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't have the grim birthday that I was expecting at all. So. No, and we're that's still, nice. that's, that's good. No, that's, that's right. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, um, we're still staring at, um, considerable jeopardy. Um, but we, but, but we have taken a step back, one step back from the abyss. Yeah. And it feels like it, it feels, it, it just feels different, doesn't it, Steve? Yeah, it does. It feels like the adults in the room might've woken up and gone, what the f- fuck is going on here it does we can't be we can't be having any of this it does feel that way it does feel that yeah. i saw a 
again, it, it, it's a pure, it's a, it's a pure straw poll. It's a pure you know, pulling a straw out of the thin, out, out of uh, thin, thin air almost. But um, I saw a tweet from somebody saying that they they work as a volunteer for the National Trust, and that uh, the people that they work with tend to be you know quite conservative, small C, generally Tory voters, a bit leavey, bit bit white white and elderly, and they were all signing the petition saying that they were absolutely really? fed up. Really? Yeah, that they were really? utterly fed up. They just wanted it all to stop, that they uh, had wanted to leave, but the thing was going so badly, they just wanted it all to stop. And you do get the sense that maybe, um, maybe, maybe Tory MPs are beginning to listen a little bit to constituents and hear, or hearing from constituents. I, I noticed that my, my MP, a certain Dominic Grieve, so, who wrote me a, a, a very nice letter last week in reply oh, to really? my own letter. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I also heard from a number of other constituents of his that had received the identical letter. So it's not as if it was a personalised letter. But it was a letter in response to me saying, Dear Dominic, I would like you to revoke Article 50 or to vote for a revocation. Uh, so he, re- he, he had a considered reply that he sent to everybody writing that letter saying, Look, you know, we had a referendum in 2016. My view is that we can't uh, undo that referendum result without another referendum. So I'm, I'm, I'm for a people's vote. I'm not for uh, revoking without a people's mm. vote. But you know, I'll keep looking at it. And he made a, a comment in in Parliament yes. where he said, yes. "You know, the more I think about this, the more I think maybe we should revoke. Maybe that's where we're going. Maybe that's where we're heading." And I, I get the sense that a lot of them are are looking at the the the, the um, petition are getting letters and emails from people like me and are beginning to think do you know what maybe there is yeah. there isn't a great risk to me <clears throat> maybe i'm not going to get crucified you know maybe my mm-hmm. my exactly. you know, party exactly. activists exactly. are not the you know the last word on this you know um exactly and i think that i mean my v- oh, let's take ourselves back to say a year ago, well, maybe or a year and a half, a year or a year and a half ago. I mean, you know, my expectation is that it would have been sorted out by now. Mm. Um, that there would have been a deal, and the deal would have probably passed, mm. and it would be, you know, Brexit would be happening. Uh, <coughs> and you know, I'm, I stand by. I stand by defending a referendum of a way out of a situation started by a referendum. I absolutely do. I mean, I think there's a... I think this is very much a legitimate a legitimate way out of this. I think that it's completely normal to have confirmatory votes. It's normal in many walks of life, yeah. in every walk of life, to have a final say before when you have sight of the actual deal, yeah. not just agree to the idea of there being a deal in principle and then have it taken out of your hands. The the exception I make to this for revoke is when it is an emergency to avoid yeah. catastrophe. And we were a week away from catastrophe. Yeah. And now we're two and a half weeks away from catastrophe. Yeah. So at what point, how late do we have to wait for it? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, unless Parliament comes up with something pronto, which is going to fly and they find a way to... And they find a way to force me to go for this, and they get the EU27 to agree to it. Yeah. Unless all of those things happen, <coughs> it's no deal. So we have to. So at that point, we have to be ready to 
revoke, and, and parliamentarians have to be honest with themselves about this, when they're saying ruling out no deal, what they mean is, if the only options are no deal or revoke, they'll revoke. They'll revoke. Yeah. And they have to be on, even if they're not, even if there are strategic reasons for not being honest publicly yeah. about that, they have to be honest with themselves and have to be prepared for that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Yeah. Well. Great. Well. Enjoy your other Brexit podcasts that will discuss what happens tomorrow. <laughs> we Which, recommend Romaniacs. <laughs> yeah, I should be listening with great interest to hear what they've got to say. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I am very interested to hear what happens. Uh, <laughs> but whatever happens, well, whatever happens, enjoy your extra weekend in the EU. Yes. And- <laughs> oh, my God. Party like it's yeah. 2015. <laughs> Oh my god, I know. I know. And uh, we'll be back next week. Yeah. All right, thanks for the interesting chat, Steve. Um, uh, yeah, we will be back next week to talk about what happened and what the fuck happened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thanks cool. a lot, everyone. Thanks. Good night. Secret one.